When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things. It's a special edition of football and random things. Jeff Woody, we're having all kinds of special editions here. We had Ari Temkin on uh, last week, and now we've got the man, the myth, the legend. It's Jay Jordan. What's up? What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? We got uh, friends fart. Farting with friends. <laughs> I don't know that there's any better, uh, any better way to fart than with your friends. Farting all together. <laughs> just all of us just farting up a storm about football. Thank you for bringing us back on uh, back online there, Jeff. On football, we're going to do two different podcasts uh, here for you this week, and we're going to have this one is going to be about the offense. We'll talk about the defense. We're going to start with the premises of uh, first, what do we know about each of these units? And then the second will be, what do we still not know? And what are the questions that need to be answered? All right. So to lead it off, what do we know for certain about Iowa State's offense going into 2022? Jeff, I'll let you start. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson's still here. I think the, the, that's the kind of the number one, I think the receiver room is probably the most certain position group on the offense because you have Jalen Knoll, which I somewhere between no and assume would be really is going to be a stud this year. And then Xavier Hutchinson is potentially the best receiver in the conference. And so you have those two guys that are at a really solid position group. I think another thing that we know is that Trevor Downing's really good. What we don't know is how much of an impact he's going to make having shifted over from guard to center. Like what difference is that going to make? So I think the thing that we know is that their skill positions at wide receiver are going to be probably the strength of the offense. Uh, if there is a strength of the offense, I mean, has at least has the potential to be a strength of the offense and that Trevor Downing is going to be uh, solidifying the center position, probably better than it's been with Colin Newell, who is mentally a really good center, but physically he got pushed around a little bit. So now that you have a guy that's a little bit more of an anchor. So the things that we know are based around Xavier Hutchinson and Jalen Noel at wide receiver, and then Trevor Downing at center. Jay, what do you think is the the biggest thing with that wide receiver room? Where's the biggest improvement, I guess, for them going from last year to this year? Obviously, Jalen will have more experience than he did before, and, and X will have another year under his belt. But, like, what's the – in your mind, what is the trajectory that that group needs to take or the steps forward that that group needs to take to help Hunter Deckers be the best quarterback that he can be for Iowa State this year? They've got to get open underneath and early. They've got to allow Deckers to develop in a way that Brock didn't develop, uh, being able to get the ball out of his hands on time, hit the back foot on the three-step drop and let it go. And they've got to be able to create separation on short, 
shorter routes, um, shorter developing routes. Um, they have guys that could do that. Noel's the one that last year, Noel ran a lot of screens, man. He didn't run a ton of other routes or at least get utilized a bunch of other routes. Um, <clears throat> looking at the, at the film, but, uh, he's got to show the ability to get between seven and 12 yards and get open. Well, I think that's especially true, um, because Charlie's not here anymore. And so your, your security blanket, your, Hey, we need, it's third and five. We need seven yards. Who are we going to go to? 88 was that guy. And then when they double covered 88, you'd throw it to, to chase Allen, or you'd then find X potentially if he was, he was available for the routes. So with, yeah, especially with Charlie not being there, that is a, that is an exceptionally more important thing because Jalen's going to have to be, I mean, like Deshante Jones was a couple years ago where Deshante played the role that Charlie stepped into when he was at his best of eight yards and then do something with it once you get eight yards. So yeah, I think that that's a really good point of being able to get open early and being able to get open underneath, which is made even more important because the tight ends room is not near as strong as it was last year. Jay, I know you just got done rewatching all the games and everything and I'll you know, Hunter didn't play a ton, but I'll ask you, like, what, how'd you walk away feeling the moments that he did play? How'd you walk away feeling about him coming into this year? The second throw against Oklahoma, I was hanging my head at the ground. <laughs> we called that. We told Jay or Jared and I texting back and forth called that. We're like, he was, kid was thrown into a really big moment. He knows he wants to throw it down the field. And we were like, He's going to just chuck one seventy-four yards. He's he's going to, isn't he? And then he and then second pass. I mean, that was a that was a driver that he got underneath, hit about two hundred and six, with the power to get at three forty. Well, and it just happened right after they'd gotten called for the penalty for an illegal forward pass, wasn't it? So it was like it had kind of snowballed real quick, where that they misexecuted the trick play. And then immediately Hunter tries to throw the ball out of bounds and throws it straight to an Oklahoma defensive back. And it's like, woof. well, you got your feet wet now, young fella. Like get back out there and uh, do it again, I guess. And then he let him on a touchdown drive. So it's like uh, he obviously picked himself back up on it. And I think uh, he, we had him on the uh, on Cyclone Fanatic. We did a town hall with him uh, with our Patreon and premium subscribers. And they and he even brought up that throw that he's like, man, I can't make dumb mistakes like that. So it's like, you know, that that kind of kind of thing eats at him that he's like, man, I can't believe in there. My second pass against Oklahoma. I just tried to chuck it way down the field and threw it straight to Oklahoma, straight to a opposing team's defensive back. But man, I, I do think, and I've heard everything that I've heard about him. It sounds like he has done a really good job as far as being a leader and things like that. And he's got all of the mental tools that you need in your toolbox to be, a big time quarterback. And we know what he can do with the, with his arm. Like we've seen the arm talent that he has. It's just how fast can you pick it up? You know, like that's, that's, I think when the bullets are flying, like how fast can you pick those things up and how fast can you hit the ground running and be exactly what, uh, what the team needs you to be. And like, that's, I think that's one of the questions in my mind is, and it kind of will dictate if they get off to a fast start or slow start is how fast does Hunter really settle into being the starting quarterback? Would you guys agree with that? would back to your question i would i would throw out that what i saw is a guy who was pretty resilient had a couple rocky moments but for the most part settled in he does things a little bit different a uh, high level of confidence which is what you want in that position uh but i think as far as settling in that will be a fairly easy transition for him but i think he's 
smaller. So you're, you're not drop off from, from Purdy in, in that regard. But I want to get one thing to dovetail with what Jeff was saying um, about the, the receivers. The other thing that'll be interesting in the receiving core here to help him is let him use that big arm. Who can get deep? Can we get that vertical passing game back in play? Because it's been so uh, mid-range centric with, with Charlie, rightfully so, with Kohler and Allen um, and, and X. But does the new guy from Colorado, does uh, Darren Wilson, does X run more vertically? Can we get uh, utilization out of that arm talent that, that Hunter has? And Because I, I think that helps his game. If he throws a few deep, it helps him settle in and be able to come down to the check downs and the mid-range stuff. Well, yeah, and, then, and go ahead, go ahead. So I think another thing that is that I will, so Jared, you can come back to that, um, talking about the wide receiver point. Um, one note on Hunter though, that is going to be different this year than was in years past. So when he came in against Iowa and we were like, damn, this kid's just marching up and down the field. And then Kansas, that's Kansas. It doesn't count. They they didn't want to be there, and they were already down by 50, which makes it even worse. Uh, and then against Oklahoma, the key, he had an interception and touchdown drive. So, like, all those things you kind of hold up in the air, and you go, okay, eh, that's sort of an isolated incident. Now, the first few weeks are going to be kind of fun because no one, uh, the only film that opposing teams would have on him is going to be those, like, weird isolated incidents and sort of like what you hear. You know, you're, you're they're going to hear that he's got a big arm and you're going to hear that he can run better than Brock and you have that one big, long touchdown run. You're like, okay, well, he's, they're going to have this type of offense. But with Southeast Missouri and Iowa aren't totally going to know what he's got. But by the time you get down towards the middle of the season, but especially, I mean, I would say by the time you get to Baylor, which is, I think, game four, you're going to, teams are going to know what he's got. So he's going to be game planned against. So there, that's going to be a thing that he will have to overcome for the first time at Iowa State. And that Brock had to overcome, which it took him a little bit to do so. I think Hunter's just natural ability will allow him to do that a little bit faster, I think, uh, just because, you know, if X gets a good release and let's say, I don't know if you put a 40 on him, let's say he's four, four, if X gets a good release and runs four, four and Hunter's got an arm to get him the ball, you can only cover that so much, you know, like you can still, even if you're playing it right, that's sort of that Steph Curry is going to shoot a three and you're good luck guarding it. But if, teams can game plan him away from what he likes to do. Is he going to be able to mentally understand what they're going to be doing? The, the, the chess match of I'm going to move my rook here, then you're going to move your knight here. And then in order to counter what you just did, I have to do this other thing. So you got to be playing. What is their adjustment to me? And what am I going to adjust to them? So like, that's the thing that I think he's going to have to do this year, especially as you get into the meat of the season where the defensive coaches are going to start to be able to see what he likes to do, which I think we're all really excited to see what he can do. But then when there is adjustments that are starting to be made, when he, they do find out that he likes to get to Jalen Noel from seven to 10 yards when he starts to get into a pinch and then they start to bracket cover Jalen Noel from seven to 10 yards when you get into a pinch and now he has to look somewhere else. Like, is he able to process those things that quickly? I think so, but we don't know so yet. It's the same conversation we had however many times about Caleb Williams last year when everybody exactly. was so excited about him and talking about him being a Heisman Trophy candidate after a week when he came in at halftime against Texas and all of a sudden it's like he's the next big thing. You and me sat here and we're like, hold on here. 
like we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks after people have film on him, you know, and yeah, we're, we're going to rush three. We're going to drop eight and we're not even going to try and sack him. We're yeah. literally just going to tell you to stand there and throw, give him the Tim Tebow treatment. Like buddy, you have to pass from a pocket. Can you do that? And he didn't do that. So yeah. Can Hunter avoid that fate when teams go, he just likes to chuck it down the field. And if he can't chuck it down the field, he likes to run. Okay. Well, let's just sag our safeties an extra six yards to prevent it against anything deep and then just put a spy on him. So he can't run when he gets into trouble. What's he going to do after that? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it'll be interesting because I, I don't know. He is by far that one that is just like a wild card. It's like you, you think you feel really good about it, but at the same time, you just don't know, you know, and that, I don't know. He fits very squarely. I think in the, you don't know we things we don't know category, just some of those intangible pieces that you just have to kind of wait and see. Uh, the offensive line, you t- you brought them up with Trevor Downing moving to center. It sounds like he's done a really good job at, at that position. But the two tackles are the guys that are getting talked about a lot. Jake Remsburg and, and Tyler Miller. Everybody's really excited about Tyler Miller coming off that performance, uh, the performance he had against Clemson. You know, a lot of people were really excited about Jake Remsburg coming out of 2020, but he got hurt, couldn't hardly play last year. Jay, in your mind, what does – what is one getting Remsburg back? And if, especially if he's back at full strength and to the guy that, you know, we saw him be as a, whatever it was, a sophomore redshirt freshman or whatever it was uh, to now. And then what can Tyler Miller add to that group when you've still got Daryl Simmons and, um, and Trevor and uh, man, who's, who's the other guard. I can't even think of right now. Um, do you, do you know, Jeff? <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking. I'm going to edit this out, but I'm blanking. Who's the second guard? Isn't that uh, Hufford? Yeah, Jared Hufford. Hufford. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You and you get Jared Hufford at the at the other guard position. Um, what are those two tackles? Just having them back and having them hopefully ready to be able to be at full strength and ready to go for week one. What do they make? What can be the impact that they can make on this offensive line? You guys can can address this, but I think well, no, no we can't even say that this year, but. Um, Tackle's been a weakness, either one or the other, for one reason or another, uh, almost every year of the Campbell era, uh, be it talent or uh, availability due to injury. I'm biased with with Remsburg because I thought he was really great when we signed him, and I, I think he's got excellent potential. I feel good about him being out there at one of the tackles. Tyler Miller, I don't know yet. One game does not a season make. Sim- similar uh, to Jeff's discussion about Hunter Deckers, you can get game planned as a tackle too. And there's some nice uh, uh, rush ends uh, in this league that we'll have to play. Uh, so we'll find out. Guy's a mammoth uh, by all accounts. If he's, uh, it, it's a pretty crowded room. So the fact that he's ascended in that room fairly early in his career uh, should tell you something about at least their perceived um, talent evaluation on him arguably the two most talented tackles uh, that we've seen in the last five to six years. Um, It's offensive line is such a wait and see feel really good about downing at center. I think that's a more natural position for him. I feel really good about Hufford at guard. And I think Simmons is is solid. So um, we kind of say this every year, but we should see a bit more consistency um, out of that offensive line with those two guys there. The bigger question I have is what if Miller can't do it? Mm-hmm. Where do we go? Who do we mm-hmm. kick up here? And we end up in kind of Schweiger at situation that they were in last year uh, where somebody's overmatched or not in there. Does Grant Traber uh, 
show some of the promise that that he had when he came in. Is he a guy that, that kicks out there? Um, who's the next guy up? The hope is we just don't even notice him because he's just doing his job. And that that's that's part of the trick of determining or watching line and uh, whether they're decent or not is how much did you think about them during the game? <laughs> if yeah. you think about or somebody's running free, uh, you know, without getting touched or uh, you know, something of that nature, then, then or just don't. And we spend all of our time talking about our skill positions, then that that's what we want. I think well, at least that. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that will help is you can just talk about just natural athleticism, natural, pure. How much do they got in the gas tank? How many cylinders does their engine carry? And I think this offense at quarterback and the tackle positions have a higher octane level than what we had last year. So the thing that's, that's a little bit different about what they're going to be able to provide is Tyler Miller is longer and more athletic than what we, Iowa state was playing with at tackle last year. So when he is in a bad position, he could hopefully scramble himself out of it. The other thing is just talking about general ceiling level. If Iowa state is able to utilize Decker's arm and being able to just get the ball down the field, I think the pass protection last year was generally pretty good. I mean, outside of like the Oklahoma game, Brock Purdy almost died in the, the Oklahoma game, but outside of that for the most part it seems like they were doing pretty well and i think the problem with oklahoma wasn't a physical like perry on winfrey is just beating the bejesus out of somebody it was like they couldn't communicate because alex grinch was throwing every everything in the kitchen sink at him so it was just communication so for the most part pass protection was okay where it was frustrating is that Brees a lot of times had to create for himself stuff that he didn't that he shouldn't have had to because the offensive line wasn't it appeared wasn't moving as well as they should but at the same time, they didn't have a down the field passing game to back anyone out of playing against the run. And you have Brees Hall, who you're just going to, you know, you're going to turn and hand the ball to. So key, teams would key on that. And so your defensive line, not even just like formationally, like, yes, you're going to add extra bodies to the, the line of scrimmage. But if you, if you even see the hint of a run stance, which a lot, if you're a defensive player and you see more weight on their hand or you see their back foot's a little bit more kicked or whatever, there's some tell that somebody has, whether it's a run stance. If you see even the hint of a run stance last year against Iowa State, you're playing run because they're going to probably give it 28 and they're going to, you know, we have enough bodies that if I miss a little bit, then we're going to be able to make it work. This year, with Hunter being able to throw it down the field as much, they're not necessary. Defenses shouldn't be able to do that. They shouldn't be able to play. So we're going to play the run 100%, which should hopefully make the offensive line's job a little bit easier in run blocking. So they don't have to play against an eight man box or play against guys that are totally keying in on that. So I think this is the right hand helps the left and the left hand helps the right is if they, if they can get the ball down the field more, then that should back guys off both mentally and literally physically pulling guys out of the box or pushing them backwards. So there's not as much of a focus on the running game, which would allow then Jake Remsburg to be one-on-one with the defensive end and just, I'm going to punk you, you know, that kind of thing. So hopefully just by scheme and personnel, again, having a higher octane will allow the offense to function a little bit easier unless, Hey, 
28 is going to get the ball and he's going to do something with it. Good luck. You know, hopefully that's a little bit more of what it's, it can evolve into with what the personnel this team has. Do you want to respond to that, Jay? Not, a, not entirely other than to say, I agree. I'll, I'll make just one small point. Um, I, with offensive line evaluation at that level, I look at their footwork. That's what I loved about Rimsburg. I like Downing, Hufford, Simmons, and Rimsburg's feet. I think they've got great feet to be able to uh, block positionally. Uh, I was a little less sold on Miller's feet, uh, which they hope he compensates for with pure size and length. And if he does um, or his feet are better than what I thought that they were, then I think that makes for a really nice unit that I, 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 I would put more in my known category than my unknown category. All right. The running back room then has uh, probably more in the unknown than the, the known we've seen some of Jirel and he's had a handful of good performances, but uh, Deion Silas, Eli Sanders obviously didn't get to play a ton last year. And then uh, Cartavius Norton has gotten a lot of conversation during the spring and, and headed into the summer. How do we feel about that position group? Jeff, I'll let you start since you're the running back guy. Um, I appreciate that you said running back that make, cause everyone always just says fullback, which I did more than just that. So I appreciate it that I could be referred to as not just fullback because you did run the ball one time. Everybody remembers. We get it. Yeah. Bro. We other get it. times. We get anyway, it. anyway, Jared, uh, <laughs> the funny thing about that room is they, they don't have any known commodities, but they have a lot of potential in there. And this is similar. I mean, North Carolina back two years ago, they had 2000 yard rushers, but most of the time that isn't necessarily the case. Like you're not really going to be able to have 2000 yard rushers. Usually the teams that succeed more are teams that have one that is mostly the guy. And then you have ancillary pieces that are good, either giving him a break, like a breather, or when they have certain situations that that person can fall into. I, I don't somebody and, and coach Campbell has, has, pretty consistently also agreed with that logic that like he'll try and find one guy, no matter who that guy is like Kanae Wangu was a really good additional piece, but he wasn't the guy. So he was a nice supplement to whether it's Brees or David. So who is that guy going to be? Because Campbell has pretty consistently wanted to find that guy, whether that's Norton or whether that's Brock or whether that's Sanders. I don't think Silas is going to be the every single down back guy because there's too much, other size in the room to do the things that you're going to need go, that he's going to need to do. Um, so then you look at those other guys, which I think Silas will at least this year be a really fun, like additional piece, put him given the ball on third downs or get him a screen game or put him as a slot receiver or, you know, even hell hand him a stretch play and just let him run. I mean, stuff like that. He's going to be a fun piece. Um, but I think a guy like Jirel probably has the leg up in just being able to be Mr. Consistent, but we've talked about it in a lot of times we do, whether it's our season recap or talking about like after the TCU game, his mindset hopefully would have changed from last year to this year, because last year, like if you think of it, like your own car, like if you are driving your own car, you can do whatever you want to that car. You can soup it up. You can go fast. You can gun it off a, out of a red light or come to a stop sign or go around a corner faster than you kind of want to, because it's your car. Like it is what you want. You know what you're going to do to it. When you get in somebody else's car, you're likely to break more. 
you're likely to accelerate slower to speed less, you know, like those things, like you're, you're going to be taking care of it as if it was someone else's last year, gyro Brock was driving someone else's car. When he was in the game, he was always making sure he didn't necessarily just don't screw it up before you get the best running back in a country back on the field. So when he would, when there, when he would get the ball, he was looking to make a cut, get down the field, protect it with both hands. If you make somebody miss, you make somebody miss, but seven yards is better than 10 yards and a fumble. So I'm going to take four or seven yards by the time the TCU game rolled around and he, it, the game started to split farther than what was going to be going. He actually was able to look and drive his own car. And so he was starting to make a little bit more aggressive turns. He was, you might every once in a while get a two yard loss. You might every once in a while have a, a situation where you get put in a bad spot, but you're able to take those bigger gambles, which lets you make a safety miss instead of what I would do, which was try and, you know, put your shoulder down and just protect the ball. So I hope that in the, from last year to this year, he's able to make that change of saying, this is my car. I am driving this car. I'm going to be more risky. So he's not looking to absorb contact, protect the ball, get down. He's saying, I might be able to make this dude miss. I'm going to give it a shot, make the guy miss. And if something, you know, if I get flipped on my head, big deal, I'm going to, th this is still mine. I can make a mistake because I'm going to be able to come back in the game. So I think if he's able to make that mindset shift, then he will probably be the guy just because he knows the best. He's very clearly the best blocker. He was the best running back blocker in the room last year. Uh, and he's going to be, he's the, probably the biggest and the strongest just because he's been in a strength pro or in a weight pro strength program for four years now. So I think Jirel is probably going to be the guy if he can make that mindset shift, but I would welcome the opportunity for someone like Norton or Sanders to kind of steal the job from him. If they are better. What do you see from that group, Jay? I like it that Jeff focused on Brock because, uh, you know, and I'll reference the Clemson game where I wish they would have given him a 21 yard or 21 carry game to, to see how he operated uh, more in that, that setting. Uh, I felt like they, they probably should have, cause I liked what I saw early when they went to him uh, more frequently. Um, he's a wing T back out of, he's not an inside zone, outside zone guy. He can run those plays, but, but he's a shoulder square at the line of scrimmage, run tough, run hard, accelerate through the hole uh, quick to the hole type type back. So it'll be more interesting schematically to see how they adjust or what they do with the run game. Uh, you, you, I don't feel like you can have a kind of generational back in Brees Hall and then expect whoever's coming in behind him to do the same thing or run the exact same plays. Um, I, I think they, they probably have to. Um, what do you mean? We can't expect that. We just had two in a row. How... <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Right though, but my fear is you remember those painful games before Brees yeah. uh, of the starting job when we had the kind of the same situation, right? We had three to four guys that we were going to rotate in. We didn't know if Brees was going to be the guy, if Brock was going to emerge or one of the, the older guys. And it was kind of painful. It was, it, was, it was debilitating for the offense. That's what I hope doesn't happen. I don't think it will because there's enough variance between the skill sets. You have kind of a, a midline, uh, maybe more zone running uh, back in Sanders. You got your speed guy in Silas, and you've got Brock, who's, um, I think, multi-talented, just as multi-talented as, as Brees, if you look at blocking, catching, running. Um, but for me, 
if you put him in the wrong positions, give him the wrong type of plays to run, then you limit what his upside is. He was a four-star back. He was that for a reason. Um, he got caught behind Brees, but I still think he's got that type of talent. I feel good about that room. Um, I like Sal- Silas's uh, change of pace, which I know is cliche, but um, that's what he is uh, at this point. And, and yeah, if Sanders and Norton can work themselves in, maybe they grab a hold of it. I just hope we're not in a wait and see. I don't think we should be. I think Brock is good enough to take it, to do exactly what Jeff said, drive the, drive the bus, drive his own car, um, and, and be pretty effective. I, 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 I'm really trying to, <laughs> trying to not put on my, my Cardinal glasses here, but mm-hmm. I, I uh, the potential that's there, and the shift in transitional teams at Iowa State will be apparent very quickly in the season. All right. Do we I got think, anything else? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that with regarding Jirel, I think his floor is Sheldon Crony, is to be a guy like that who's sort of just consistent and but doesn't really do anything exceptionally special. This is coming from a guy who generally physically didn't do anything all that special. Uh, so I feel like I'm inclined to say that, but then also on the other side of it, his ceiling seems like it's Jalen Warren, which is for those that don't necessarily remember is the guy from Oklahoma state who was, who gave Mike Rose the stinger, you know, like who is anytime you go to tackle that dude, you go, shit, I don't know if I want to do this like that. I think is the way that if Jirel is playing at his best, his ceiling is like a Jalen Warren guy, which because the offense I mean, again, we don't know this, but because the offense is probably going to be more spread out this year, it's probably going to be more down the field, probably going to be more three and four wide receivers than it has been um, with one and two tight ends kind of sprinkled in and and a fullback sprinkled in. Because it's going to be more open, that is going to leave more one-on-one opportunities for a running back. If that running back can be as punishing or as as physical as he can be, then you get the same effect as three tight ends with just one running back doing what he did. I mean, think about this is a a way on the other side of super physical running back, but like think of Jerome Bettis back when Jerome Bettis was at his peak, even if it was 11 personnel or if it was just like a tight end and a fullback and you had Jerome Bettis in the backfield, you're putting nine dudes up there because you know, the first guy is going to bounce off. And then the second guy might be able to get his ankles and the third guy has to knock him over. Jalen Warren did that for Oklahoma state last year, which allowed Spencer Sanders, who I think is a good and consistent quarterback, but usually doesn't do anything over the top. Great. Most of the time. I mean, although he has really good, I mean, he has a a pretty good handful of great plays, but it allowed Spencer Sanders to be better because Jalen Warren could do a lot of the things that was, I'm going to punk a linebacker. If you get me one-on-one with the linebacker, Jirel has that type of that is his upside. So I think that he is going to be able to do that again. It's all a mindset thing. And can he be able to execute at that level? I hope so. And I think so, but we don't know. So yet. All right. What meets left to pick on the offense? Do we know anything else that you guys want to throw out there? Uh, the only group that we didn't talk about was tight ends, which oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the Jared Russ is steady Eddie. I mean, he's talking about punking people. He is going to be um, able to, I think in passing situations, if one of the tackles isn't holding up as much as they need to, you could put Jared Russ there as what Chase did last year, which they would, if there was a, you know, the, the kid from Kansas state, the, the really good defensive end, if that dude is just having a game, 
you, Iowa State last year would be able to put Chase on that side and either bump him out a gap to give a you know and then chip him and release and the tight end would chip the defensive end and then release, allowing the tackle a little bit more time to gather and get in a good position. Jared Russ is probably going to be that guy. I mean, maybe they have a tight end like Easton Dean or someone else that Deshaun Hanneke, maybe those guys are, are able to fill that role. But I think Jared Russ is probably going to be the first quote tight end off the bench. He's going to be in on a larger percentage of snaps than probably the other people will be. Um, but I, you know, it is interesting. I am curious just how they use him. I think Easton Dean is like a, is like a, a target version of Charlie Kolar. He's like the off-brand Charlie Kolar, you know, at least as of right now. And Deshaun Hanukkah, we just don't know anything about, you know, like he could be really good, but we just haven't seen him play much. He's the target brand Charlie Kohler. I mean, that's that's a, not that's a dude new got one. Picked, dude got picked in the NFL draft. He's really good. It's not, I mean, target brands are nice. Archer Farms. I take I'll get Archer Farms stuff. That's a uh, it's at the Walmart brand. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Walmart brand. No, no, no. It's not the Walmart brand. He's the Target brand. He's not good value. He's not no, good he's value. Not, brand. It's great value. Great value. Great value. Uh, no. Good value is what you get at uh, at Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right, Jay. What what do you got? You got anything else you want to throw out there? Tight ends. It'll be interesting. Uh, Roos to me is a is a <laughs> speaking of a higher brand of Sam Seenbuckner. Uh, he, he, they use him kind of similar. Uh, he's a little bit more athletic, so they can get him more involved in the in the passing game. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think Jeff and I both have said enough to believe that that the the tight end centric passing game has to move out to the wide receivers um, without with the tight ends kind of regressing in, in importance in the passing game and it'll change the scheme a little bit, but they have experience with that because that's, that's kind of where they were for the first couple of years uh, when Sean Buckner was the key um, lead blocker and uh, while the tight end room developed. So as the tight, tight end room redevelops, uh, Roos will be maybe one of the more important players on the offense. Jared Russ is the whole foods version of Sam Sean Buckner. <laughs> he's it's it's just a little bit nicer uh it it the packaging is a little bit cleaner you know like the the marketing it's just yeah. like a little bit better and it's like three dollars more expensive he's more organic more organic jared yeah. russ is the organic sam Buckner. yeah there it is all right we'll talk to you guys about the defense on the next episode of football and random things thanks for tuning in peace